0: Peace, peace, peace. You are now tuned into episode seventeen of No Bookie Info. It's your boy Tree, aka Philip. that's P H I Two L's I P. I just want to thank everybody for for continuing to tune in as we transition into this new format. And so again, it means a lot all the all the positivity that I've received from from various people, uh as well as people who are critical, who who wants to see the show be as successful as possible, so I definitely appreciate all the information that, that I've been given since the previous episode as we as we embark on this on this change. Change is a wonderful thing uh, in life we, we change to get something or to keep something that 's something one of my my old college professors told me uh, rest in peace to Dr. Kamara at Bloomsburg University and it 's funny like I went to him. Right I didn't go to him for to receive any type of mental health treatment or anything. I went to him because of a woman. I guess when you're seventeen eighteen I guess I don't know what you call I don't want to say female because I know that the feminists will get upset if I say female so I'll say woman yeah once you get eighteen, you make that transition from a a young woman to a a woman <laughs> so you know I went to him to to have this discussion about listen, why doesn't she want me right and it's we'll call her felicia right and so i went to her i I went to him to find out why felicia doesn't want me and he told me that quote he said listen phil in life you change to get something or to keep something i'm just thinking in my head what are you talking about i just want to understand why i've been chasing her for, for three plus years and i still haven't you know, she still won't be my girlfriend. And I never really got an answer to that. But I guess the answer was within. And so her and I ended up just being good friends. It's funny. I I, On my birthday, on my trip to Miami, I actually ran into her. And so, you know, she's one of these people that keep their same numbers. And so I because I remember the number. And (laughs) I know that sounds like, man, that was probably about what? 13 14 years ago yeah i mean listen that's back when you had to remember numbers especially when you when you care and so you know i text her like hey i i see you in the airport because i wasn't going to go up to her and be played i didn't know who she was with and then we always got to be mindful about not wanting to get played right because that's the worst thing taking that you walk up to somebody like hey how you been and they hit you with the who are you or i'm good now, I'm a hard person to forget, you know, especially the fact I bought her some pink Bo Jackson's down South Street. <laughs> right? Well, my mom bought it because I didn't have a job at the time. And so I sent out the text and said, hey, what's up? So she came over to me. We sat and we talked for maybe about 20 minutes. And then she told me that I, and I knew through Facebook, you know, seeing her post sporadically that I guess she was engaged. But at this point she was married. And so I guess her and her husband were on. They were about to go on a vacation. And so our flight ended up getting delayed and we, myself and her and her husband, end up sitting in a bar drinking. Uh, And it was uh, it was interesting. It was interesting. I would never thought that that would be. um, I never thought that that would be where (laughs) I would end up. Right. And so it was it was an interesting experience. I thought it was I thought she was going to be my wife. That's why it's so it's so interesting to me. I, I really had ideals of wanting to marry her. Again, this was at age 18, which which can change as you get older. So, you know, it was it was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. It's always good to have positive relationships with people who are who are in your past. So props to Felicia and in that situation for helping me grow as a person. I think it paid an a, 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 a integral part in me progressing as a man as I, as I continue to get into future relationships within my life. I recognize that, especially now, that I, I shouldn't take any type of relationship for granted. And still at times I do because I am human. And I, I tend to recognize now that, that I am imperfect. You know, I'm not perfect. You know, imperfection lies within all of us. And I need to make a more concerted effort into into keeping these these good and decent relationships that I have because they they help me out as well. They help me level up as a person, which is is so critical and, and my ultimately my primary goal in twenty seventeen, which is which is energy reciprocity. So if I've done you wrong at any point in life, I just got to say my bad. My bad. <laughs> so we are going to, to get into these streets and, and with the topics we have here today. So it's not it's not as many topics because I, I find it productive to I want to get more in depth with, with some of the with some of the discussions in these streets, because I, I, I think that we can do a disservice at times when we when we don't fully develop our opinions. And, and our thoughts on the matter. So just I appreciate again, I appreciate everybody for tuning in and all the positive, the positive words that I've that I've received. So first we're gonna talk about Snowstorm Stella. I don't I guess maybe winter storm Stella. So I live here in Philadelphia for those who don't know, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, not Philadelphia, Mississippi, which I didn't know exist until you try to search something online. And it's like, do you live in Philadelphia, Mississippi? It's like I never knew. And honestly, I would never go to Philadelphia, Mississippi, because I mean, granted, I know how Mississippi is to folk that to folk that look like me. So, nah, I'm not gonna put myself in that situation to to be potentially uh, ostracized or arrested, right? So. Snowstorm Stella. So here in Philadelphia, we were supposed to get approximately eight to 12 inches of snow. And again, meteorologists, they, they got a difficult job. They got a difficult, difficult job. We all we end up seeing about about four to five inches of like ice of, of sleet ice. And it was heavy as I'm shoveling for an hour to to you know shovel my property. It's one thing about being a homeowner. If you lived in an apartment, you could just chill all day. You could splurge on Netflix. But when you're a homeowner, as soon as it's the crack of dawn, you need to be out there because, listen, you don't need that one person who's looking for a lawsuit to slip on your property because you didn't shovel. So I ended up shoveling uh, my sidewalk and, and my car, which took approximately an hour. But just the, the ice and everything, it just made it bad. Actually, it makes you think like, man, I wish I would have got like eight to 12 inches of, the, of the light, fluffy stuff because that would have made it a little more easier. So but I, but I bring up Snowstorm Stella just because with regards to the meteorologists, it's like they're like I've heard so many. I've seen so many comments on social media. I've, I've seen and heard you know, people's outrage about meteorologists. They don't know anything. They don't know anything. And it's just like it's difficult to be a meteorologist in, in today's society where we're so critical of people um, and, and how they do their job. Like, listen, it doesn't matter. It could be the postman. And I find myself doing it at times. Uh, The postman, one day he might come at 12. The next day he comes at five. And then he comes at three. Then he comes at nine a.m. It's like, man, can I get some consistency? And it's just like, man, you don't know what's going on. You going to tell somebody else to do their job. But it's so easy to Monday morning quarterback what somebody else does when you're not in that situation. And so the meteorologists now there, they're taking us, you know, all the memes with regards to them. But it's a difficult job. It's, but I look at the weather and, and being a meteorologist. Yes, they make six to seven figures, the, the popular ones. I know John Bellaris, he made about, what, a million dollars, a million dollars a year just to, to, to give out. Hey, I think it's going to snow. This is what the machine says. And maybe that's one of the issues because they're going off whatever this Doppler 10,000. 20,000 I don't know what it is of whatever computerized system that they have and they're going off off this and it's like we put so much faith so much stock into what computers say and do and the information that they tell us we can't we feel like they're never wrong and here they have it for the second the second time uh this winter they got it wrong they got it wrong and it's just like can we really blame the meteorologists so, I mean, and there's certain things that you just can't predict. So weather is one of them, a sporting event, so a football game, basketball game, somebody can go in as being the favorite. They're the 10, 20 point favorite and they lose. You can't predict that. And so, you know, we, we can we're critical of that, too, when that happens. And so I think, you know, ultimately, I think we just need to give the meteorologist a break um, and. Again, think about what if we were in their shoes <laughs> now granted making when you make a six seven figures just to to be wrong uh you know nine times out of ten, it's kind of difficult, but then' it get me to think it further as far as man, we put a man on the moon allegedly now I'm, I'm i'm not one of those people who who think we actually put a man on the moon. I'm sorry, listen, hitting figures I haven't seen it. listen, I believe that we had some amazing women in Nassau. But I just think that, especially with the technology that we have now and how we're still getting this, the simplest things wrong, that back in in whatever year that was, like 1960s, that we actually put a man on the moon. I, I don't know. And so like, it's, it's, I'm not like an Obama birther, you know, <laughs> was he was he born in the United States or Hawaii or wherever he was alleged. Let's see the birth certificate. Well, maybe, maybe I am. Maybe I am. Let me see a rock. Let me see something off the moon. You know, a, a photograph. That's I want to see. I need more. I need somebody taking a photograph of the person taking a photograph of the person on the moon before I can believe it. <laughs> so it's it, we, we have this technology and we're still getting things like the weather wrong. But you know who doesn't get the weather wrong? Like the farmers, the farmers almanac. Like whoever does that, whatever, whoever the farmers are, like they're always right. They always say, listen, it's going to be the snow going to be four inches. And the meteorologists are like, no, the Doppler 100,000 said it's going to be 12 to 20. And then next thing you know, it's four inches. So I think maybe they need to get the six to seven, six to seven figure salary that the meteorologists get. Whoever these farmers are, farmer almanac people are. So that's my little my little spiel as far as snowstorm Stella. So next we're going to talk about <laughs> next we're going to talk about uh, Texas Democratic State Representative Jessica Farr. Now many people are like who? Mm, yeah, and especially when you hear uh, somebody some type of political official from <laughs> from Texas, it's like who? And then it's oh god. What do they do now? Because Texas has a, a reputation of having their political officials are. They're, they're usually out the loop. It's like a different world down there. And I'll be going down to Austin, Texas in in late April. So I'm, I'm interested to find out how a way of life is in Texas, because I, I'm sure it's completely, completely different than it is here in, in Philadelphia, which most southern states are. But I think it's something about. Texas, where it's just like they're just a little off. And so when I talk about uh, state rep Jessica Farr, so she introduced a bill and it's called a man's right to no act. And it's like, okay, she introduced a bill. And (laughs) so one of the highlights of the bill and why it's got it received so much notoriety, because in it, it had a fine. And the fine was You'll be fined. Any man who masturbates will receive the $100 fine. (laughs) Uh, Listen, when I read it, when I when I read the headline, because that's that's all we do. We read the headlines down. It's just like. Then you start thinking like, dang, last night and this morning, I'll be about 300. Well, I ain't finished that one. So maybe about 350 I might be about $350. I'll be buying $350. I don't know if people are like, ew. Like, listen, we all adults. We're grown. And listen, it's necessary. It's necessary at times. You, gotta, you need a stress reliever. Masturbation is a, a great way. It's safe. Right? You're not getting anybody pregnant. You're not getting the STD. You're not misleading anybody. Maybe you the only person you're misleading is yourself. And you you could be upset. That's the only person you could be upset with. Hey, why you pick that video? Hey, why you pick that picture to look at? Or you don't have anything? You just ran out of out of Johnson and Johnson? That's that's how you're gonna treat me. So you and your inner self may have some conflict. But just listen, it's the safest sex. It's literally the the safest sex. So So with this fine, so initially I'm like, oh, man, they tripping. And I posted about it on Instagram, Phil underscore Quadify, And it was like, oh, I got some responses. People like, oh, man, LOL, Texas does it again. And then I went on to read what the bill entailed and why she did it. And then I'm like, aha. And so apparently the bill that she recommended was a response to the 2011 Women's Rights Bill. Rights bill, and so what that bill did was, in and, and, and it, Texas is one of the one of the states where uh, abortion rights are, are just so outrageous, outrageous. You know, they're they're trying to go completely away from choice, as this this current administration is, with your president, not my president, your president, uh, and so. When I looked it up to see what, what the bill entailed from, from 2011, it required sonograms to be to be heard, which means it, it forced the mother or the the person who was expecting to have a sonogram so they can hear the heartbeat of the child that they plan to abort. And then also it forced him to, to receive literature and information with regards to alternatives like adoption. And I'm just like, you serious? Like how how damaging could that be to that individual? First, we have no idea as to how they ended up pregnant. We all make assumptions like, well, she shouldn't have been having unprotected sex. But we do, we don't take into consideration uh, whether she was in a domestically violent situation, whether she was raped, whether it was a, a product of 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 incest or, or what have you. So it's a lot of a lot of assumptions made. And so I just I'm just like, wow, but only in Texas, only in Texas and states like Texas, where women are considered to be uh, second fiddle their their rights continue to be violated and I then looked at it and said, you know what, I, I applaud her for for making this bill. And some of the highlights of the of the man's right to know act, because, again, she's here to prove a point. She's here to prove a point. And again, what's the best way to prove a point? Sometimes you got to be a little a little outrageous. You got to be a little outrageous because people weren't going to look and say, oh, men will should provide a, a pamphlet, uh, which provides information regarding vasectomies or Viagra prescriptions or colonoscopies. And they have to wait 24 hours to get any of those procedures. Nobody was going to care about that. But what did get the media involved when she said a hundred dollars for a hundred dollar masturbation fine? And then she went on to say, and I, and again, maybe it was just tongue in cheek, but it it is a part of the a part of the bill where you know her reasoning was when you masturbate, you're wasting sperm, and that sperm can be can be saved. And it could be given to a fertilized egg or it could be used to impregnate a woman. And and so, uh, again, is she is she exaggerating? Is it over exaggerating? Definitely. But it's definitely an over exaggeration that's necessary. And a part of me hopes that the bill passes. I don't I don't know if it was or not. But And granted, it's probably not because, listen, a lot of the politicians are are older white males who, who get their Viagra from their primary care physician within the same time that they need it. And so imagine having to wait 24 hours. They, they're definitely not going to go to that. But yet we feel the need as a society to tell women what they can do with their bodies, which is it's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But as we progress as a society, we'll when you know better you do better and hopefully this situations like this and other people who are advocating on behalf of women's rights they they open up to the idea of change they open up the idea of of changing your thoughts that's how you know that and and i'll talk about this a little later but the fact that you are an adult the fact that you are you can classify yourself or categorize yourself as a as a as a woman as a as, as a man when you're truly able to accept change and, and change one's thoughts or opinions with regards to a certain matter that you didn't think that you would prior to. So props to, to Democrat, Texas Democratic State Representative Jessica Farr. If I had an award like the No Booking Info uh, award, it would go to her. So next we're gonna get into get out. No, not not get out my house. Not not what Martin used to do to Pam and to those who aren't familiar with Martin and Pam Martin is a TV show an African-American guy used to kick out Pam. The <laughs> <And>, um, <laughs> Google the Martin show and watch the an episode and you'll see him always telling somebody to to get out. And so I'm referencing the movie. Jordan Peele's movie, which has done amazing, amazing in the box office. It's, it's grossed at this point $111 million with only a five, mid- a $5 million budget. And so he's the first black writer or director to do so in his debut, which, uh, listen, we had a No booking and Info award. Def- one would go to him as well because that's major. That's major. Out of all the, you know, we got the Spike Lees. We have the. The, the Ava, I don't want to mess her name up, Ava Duvernays we, we have all of these people who are doing amazing things and he just comes right out the gate and bam, I'm going to hit you with this. And I'm going to be honest with you. I had no idea who Jordan Peele was prior to this. Prior to this movie, I had no idea. I don't watch much TV. Uh, I hear he's a comedian, which I, I get some of the storyline. But I had no idea who he was. And I definitely had no desire to go see this movie. See, they've been showing this movie in the previews in the movie theater now for about the last, about four to six months prior to its uh, uh, release. And I would watch it like, what is this nonsense? Like, this is stupid. Uh, Another stupid movie. Uh. That's going to come out. That's not going to do anything. And bam, here we are. Plus one hundred and six million dollars later. And it was a a phenomenal movie. It's a phenomenal movie. I actually saw it twice. Now, the first (laughs) the first time was a matinee and about one o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday. And so I was expecting the movie theater to be empty. When I say it was packed, it was packed. This was the I believe either the first or the second week it was out and it was packed. But the thing is, with these new movie theaters, man, and I'm awful. I'm awful. This is why I don't go on go on movie dates with people. Uh, I told I had to tell my daughter, I said, listen, baby, we can't do this anymore. We can't do this anymore because I'm wasting my money outside of the fact that I'm getting you this this popcorn and this drink. Because we all know a movie date is a, is what about fifty sixty dollars. By the time you get the tickets and you get the candy, the popcorn, you get something to eat because I gotta have me some nachos. I could have had a full course meal right before walking in, and I gotta get the nachos. But I'm I'm a little hip now, so I I make sure like I'll go get me some soft pretzels. Like when I went to go see Get Out, <laughs> I got me some soft pretzels, bagged them up. I was like, Listen, can I get those in separate bags? Separate bags, put them in my socks, walk right in. And I was going like, that shh, 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 shh. was I was walking, and I was like, listen, can I get some cheese? Cause I'm not going to pay ten dollars for some bites when I could go to Philly Pretzel Factory and get three pretzels for for like two dollars. So you gotta be, listen, and props to the to the to the women who take the big bags to the movie theater. Now, I never know what's going to happen when they have to check that bag. I always be sitting watching. Like, I need to, like, put on the Insta story each time I see that. Because I'll be like, man, if y'all get got, I don't know. You're about to miss out. You're about to miss out on at least $20, $25. And he's going to miss out. He's going to be frustrated. And that candy <laughs> that candy in the bag not going to help. <laughs> Even though it's his candy. And he told me to put it in there. So, so, And the reason why I don't go to the movies is because I fall asleep. Every time. You can't give me a recliner. You can't give me a, a, a reclining chair, soft butter leather, then turn the lights out. It's a recipe for disaster. You can't you can't expect and I think they know. This is how they you know we're gonna get this person to come back twice. Because we're gonna have it, we're gonna upgrade to the leather seats, and then we're gonna, you know, they gonna fall asleep and then they're gonna have to come back to see the movie again. And so listen, forget out the first time I watch maybe the first 15 minutes of it and i was gone i was gone then i woke up for the last 10 15 minutes of the movie and i watched it and i left out and everybody was like, oh that was that was awesome then i see all these comments on social media and i'm just like dang i missed out not only did i waste my money and my pretzels that i had in my socks but but you know i'm missing out on you know some great dialogue because I, I i hate trying to put myself in in conversations and I don't know what I'm talking about. So listen, if he talks about the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes, yeah, I'm all in. Listen, that was, that was wild when he got stopped by the cops, right? And so so I ended up watching it again over the weekend, this weekend. Shouts to Cody, K-O-D-I. No, I don't know who he is, but Cody, props to him for, for allowing me to watch things for free at this point in my life. Because I haven't had cable in five, six years. And I won't have cable ever again, but Cody lets me keep up with what's happening in, 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 in movies and music and programs and, and things like that. So props to Get Out. Props to, props to Cody for allowing me to watch Get Out. And so, you know, I was, I was just sitting thinking about, as I was prepping for the show, like, what was it about Get Out? There were so many things that occurred, but certain things, you know, certain nuances stood out to me. And, and these are in, in no particular order, uh, but the parallels to, save, the parallels to slavery, the, the parallels to slavery, man, what's going on with me right now? The parallels to slavery, notably the silent auction. So when when Chris was out talking with Rose, that, that name always brings up emotion. <laughs> Maybe I'll tell that one day. But um, but when Chris was out talking to Rose and they were auctioning off him, in essence, his body to to the highest bidder. And it was just like I was just taking back the slavery, how how black men, black women were were auctioned off uh, based off their their physical attributes, which which. you know, it it was it was disheartening. It was disheartening to see because it you, it does make you have these these flashbacks. Even though I wasn't present, but I've I've watched Roots. I've watched the millions of slave movies that we tend to come out with. Um Despite the at times like Birth of a Nation, Nat Turner, where they are the hero, Uh it still frustrates me. I, you know, I'm sick of I'm sick of slave movies. You know, no matter where the hero, the heroine. I, I just I like the fact that we see diversity in our in our roles. But, you know, in watching it, I was just like, man, this is how it was. This is how modern slavery would look. It would look just like this. They're auctioning off him to the highest bidder so they can have his body so they can do as they please, as the person who wins pleases. And it again, the frustration set in. And what it also does, it it. It reinforced stereotypes. Now, Jordan Peele is a clearly he's a he's a genius. He he's a genius to to put in these intentionally put in these themes for discussion. And one of the themes that it could be discussed with regards to the auction was just the idea of, well, why only black men? Why only black women? And so it reinforced that idea of that we're our superiority was you know strictly on a physical level we can run fast as we see with the guy with the get out challenge i want to do the get out challenge but i i don't know where i would do it i don't even know if i can run about 15 steps at this point but we we see it with you know we saw it with that we we see it with them choosing african-americans who who f- were physically fit who were uh, who were strong and, and all these other attributes, which they looked for when, you know, during slavery times. So, you know, those were, you know, those are two of the the little parallels that I've seen, you know, with regards to, with regards to slavery. Uh, Also there were, there were, there were dynamics with regards to, for example, when he was engaging with the police and how, his license was asked for even though he wasn't the driver and it took Rose um, being adamant that he did nothing wrong having to advocate on behalf of the the black man in order for his rights not to be violated, which happens a lot. I know me personally, I was in a affluent neighborhood, uh, Plymouth meeting, Plymouth meeting, uh, Plymouth White Marsh, whatever it's called um, here in Pennsylvania, and my car broke down in front of they had trump signs outside their home and my car broke down and so as a as a black man and a, as did the 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 actor from from Atlanta uh Lakeith, Lakeith Stam- the guy from Atlanta who was also in you know here and get out and how he was walking in the beginning and he's in this affluent neighborhood and he's like man listen because that speaks to the unease that we feel when we're in these neighborhoods, because granted, we wish we could just walk down the street and think nothing's going to happen. But no, we know where we don't belong. We know where we don't be- where we don't belong. And so and Lakeith said as such, you know, when he was talking, having that that inner dialogue with self. And and so ultimately I had that same experience. I, I break down in front of a, it's only about three or four homes that probably worth a million dollars each. And I'm like, okay. So my car's broke down. I can't knock on anybody's door because all they're gonna see is a a black black man, 230 pounds with a beard. And so I'm like, okay, what's the next best thing? Let me so I can show that I'm not threatening. Let me let me lift up my hood, try to figure out what's going on. I have nothing. I know nothing about cars. But I'm like, let me just put up the hood, so it at least looks like I'm broken down because my car won't start. And so I ended up contacting AAA, and they were going to send a tow truck in about a half hour, forty-five minutes. Shouts to AAA. And sure enough, sure enough, the police pull up. The police officer pulls up, and he's like, "Everything's okay." I'm like, "Well, I mean, you see, my hood is up, right?" They see me pacing around the car and I'm like, well, my car broke down. I try to be I try to be as polite as possible because, again, I don't want to get shot. And this was right around the same time as Fernando Castillo had got shot by a police officer. And I'm like, well, my car broke down. And so, you know, I'm awaiting AAA and I was asked for my license and registration because they received a, a call regarding a suspicious person in the area outside their home. And I'm like, okay. I mean, listen, suspicious person. Listen, we have a black man, a big black man, a bearded big black man outside his house, outside our house. We're terrified. This was the middle of the day. It was not like it was like nine, ten o'clock at night. And so ultimately, I refused. I refused and I became upset. I became upset. I didn't get irate, but I became upset. I said, I'm not, with all due respect, I am not giving you my driver's license because I've done nothing wrong. My car is broke down. Here, you want to see, turn the key, nothing's happening. And He's like, oh, and he he still went about, Well, you don't have a license. I I said, I'm not saying I don't have my license. What I'm saying is I'm not giving you my license until you let me know that I committed a crime. And now, if I was smart enough, I would have went on Facebook Live because at this point in life, I'm an advocate of of record everything, record all the interactions, just in case somebody somebody has to go to jail or somebody has to if they try to take me to jail if I end up getting shot, the people gonna know the truth. And the people can advocate on my behalf that that I'm I'm not a I'm not a violent person or whatever they said was fiction, and so ultimately he ended up still running my license plate, um, and and getting my information, which was it was unnecessary. But what struck me when he left, he was like, "Yeah, what happened to the days where, um, you know, people would help you and ask if if everything's okay." And I was like, yeah, what happened to those days? And then when he left, I'm like, well, aren't you further perpetuating the stereotypes of the black man, the black woman, the minority person being a threat? The moment you asked me for my license, you could have came out and you could have said, hey, listen, hey, we received a call uh, by the suspicious person. Like, Listen, my car's broke. Oh, I see. I physically see your car is broke down. But. You know, uh, you know. Good luck with that. You need any help with regards to it? All right. No. Okay. Cool. Take care. Now, I guess you have to appease your constituents, the taxpayers who who are your local taxpayers who are paying your salary. But it's still that's not. I'm not going to allow you to infringe upon my rights as a as a, a a citizen of America. I refuse to allow that to happen. So again, I, I definitely um you know i definitely empathize with chris when he was you know after they hit the deer and also with lakeith when you know when he's walking around this this neighborhood thinking oh, okay i am not comfortable his anxiety is, is starting to flare because that's what happens when we're in these type of neighborhoods that people don't know that people don't know they think it's easy that no we feel more comfortable around environments where and, and it's no different than that you know than than those who've come from an affluent neighborhood into um neighborhoods that aren't and so we have the same fears we have the same concerns that that because how I look or or what I'm used to that something may happen now some may be justified some are not and and so a lot of it is is based off Stereotypes and a lot is based off stereotypes. Like I was stereotypes, so in that case, yeah, granted, was she scared? Who knows? But I, you know, I, I leave that. That's a different conversation about her possible, his or her possible exposure to, to an African American male and and how we're perceived in the media and yada yada yada. So, um, so another point was how how. Caucasian people, white people, go out of their way to show that they're down. So Rose's damn was, I would have voted for Barack a third time if possible. And it's like, okay. <laughs> you know, where, where people want to go out of their way to say, well, listen, I, I think, as somebody says, I think Jay-Z is the greatest rapper of all time. but And this was unsolicited. And it was like, okay, um, I like... No doubt. <laughs> you know, I like no doubt. I like, um, you know, I like Ed Sheeran. I like uh, Kings of Leon, you know one of my favorite groups ever. So I'm not sure what you're implying here, but based off, yeah, I guess it's a level of trying to break the ice to show that they're down. And we shouldn't have to do that. We should. And people shouldn't have to do that. We, But unfortunately, in today's society, we feel like we need these icebreakers. And the icebreakers are usually usually awful and are insensitive, such as I would have voted for Barack a third time. So also with the stressors related to interracial dating. Listen, I, I've never been in a, a interracial relationship at, at any point. I, I dated a girl in college, but her... Her characteristics were a little, and mannerisms were a little, uh, I don't know. I, I don't even want to, that was like a blip in the radar. But, you know, so, but also the unease that comes with that, the fact that she's springing on them, that they don't know that she's bringing a black man to her home. Should it matter? No. But they should be giving the heads up because that'll help Chris, feel, that would have had Chris feel less uncomfortable. The fact that they he knows what they're walking into. So maybe, maybe we wouldn't have the Barack comments. You know, I would have voted for Barack a third time. Maybe they would have had a, an opportunity to, you know, to think a lot more about how they're going to their interactions. Again, even though it shouldn't be much thought because here we have, we're just another human being. But again, it shows the stressors related to, to interracial dating. Um, trying to understand the, you know, you want to have an idea of the norms and, and mores of different cultures with whom you interact. And Chris's parents, I mean, Rose's parents wasn't afforded that opportunity. And then, listen, again, it comes with a lot of, a lot of extra, a lot of extra, you know, the, it's not as much looks and stares as it once was, but it's still, it, it's still noticed. It's still noticed. I Listen, I'll, I'll be lying if I say when I was in the gym and I saw you know, African American woman and a Caucasian male, you know, kiss and hug, and she's like, "Oh, well, mine's is different. It's not. Oh, what are they doing? It's like that's what's up. That's what's up. That's love." And so that's a beautiful thing. But again, it's not. Even though it's quite, it's been normalized. It's still, you know, rare based on where you are and what it is that you do, um, and with whom you interact. So that was something else. Um, and lastly about this was the the sunken place now sink when when they tried to, you know, I guess they were putting brains and in, in, in different things, which is a little off. But, you know, this sunken place and the sunken place for Chris was which immobilized them was the events surrounding the death of his mother. And it, when I watched it, I was just like, man like how many of us are in sunken places or sunken places or we have that that thing that can immobilize us that can cause us to experience depression that can cause us to experience anxiety that we haven't dealt with that we haven't had treated and that was the first thing that I've seen as a mental health clinician when I was watching that when he started talking about his mother like here we have somebody who's who hasn't dealt with the loss of his mother He hasn't dealt with his role or perception. He blamed himself. And so this made him become more susceptible to her um, into falling into this, this sunken place. And so that goes to show that, listen, we all have sunken places and things that make us sink. And we need to be diligent in our efforts to, to handle these things. Which, that, which means, again, learning how to cope in a healthy way, which means uh, seeking out the professional help if necessary. We shouldn't, have to be, uh, we shouldn't have to be in this sunken place every day of our lives, or we shouldn't have to bury things that make us sink. We need to confront them head on in order for us to be productive people. And so, again, Get Out was a was a super dope, super dope movie. And I'm just it was decent, man. It was decent. It was one of the better movies that I've seen in a long time. So I know from now on, I'm not going to even attempt the theater because I don't want to fall asleep. But or maybe I'll take my own chair like I got right now. I don't know if you peep. There's no squeaking going on either because I'm sitting in like a hard you know, make your booty hurt type of chair. You know, one of those stainless steel ones with that don't leave an imprint in the chair, but it leave it on your booty. <laughs> you know, so, so that's where we are with it. And so, last but not least for today, today's episode or this week's episode, and this was this was this was real. This was real. This this caused. I don't want to say some conflict, but this caused a lot of dialogue, which which, listen, I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of dialogue. And so it's, it was it started with uh, Pharrell Williams. So everybody know Pharrell. Uh, I'm happy Capitone. If you feel like you <laughs> the roof. So, yeah. So everybody know Pharrell. And he's now going to be the first man to appear in a Chanel handbag campaign. So props to Pharrell, man. Props to Pharrell, he's he staying getting a bag. Outside of music, clothing, he's, he's getting a bag. He's doing a lot. He's doing a lot to, to, to get money, which is dope. And in the process of him doing a lot to get money, he's busting down stereotypes. He, he's busting down barriers. Which is super dope. Which is super dope. And so with this one, this caused a lot of controversy though, cause it's like the idea, especially in in black society that uh in, in black culture where it's like him promoting a purse. Him promoting a purse. And so this sparks some dialogue. So Dr. Boyce Walker's I'm not some of you may or may not be familiar with with Dr. Boyce Watkins. So listen, he's 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 another genius, super smart guy who's super pro black, which is listen, I don't knock you. I don't knock you. You be who you are. I consider myself to be super pro black as well. Um but we differ in our views on certain things and one of those being one of those being Pharrell in his handbag. And so you can look up Dr. Boyce Watkins. Again, he does a lot with business, uh, a lot with um um, promoting black businesses and making you aware of what's happening um, with regards to black business. He has a. I'm not gonna promote him too much because that's not my man. He's not cutting me a check, <laughs> but he does a lot to try and help the black community. Uh, also, he finds himself at times where he he wants to be a, a an activist um, to talk about what's happening in today's society with regards to the to the African American person. And so on his Instagram and you can go to his Instagram to see the exchange, uh, it's the real Boyce Watkins and his his comment, what he posted, he posted to Pharrell Williams as the first man up here in the Chanel hand, handbag campaign. And then he posted no comment. As his is his caption. And then I started looking at the, the responses and they were just so they were all homophobic for the most part. They were homophobic. Um, they spoke to, to false ideals of manhood within the African-American community. Subsequently, that's what I ended up posting under that post. And I said, great way to reinforce the homophobia and false ideals of manhood within the black community, Dr. Watkins. And so I usually just, you know, I, I rarely, I'm not the person that's going to argue in the comments of a celebrity's page. I'm I, don't, I, don't, I don't live that life. But if I do see something, I'm a comment on it because you never know who's going to see it. Or we may have somebody. It may affect it change the thought process of somebody else who's commenting on the post. And so, you know, again, I'm not above engaging in and in, in thoughtful dialogue with somebody else. And so he and Dr. Boyce Watkins ended up responding and he said, Phil underscore qualified, if he's gay, then this is fine. But I don't want all of black men being encouraged to be gay. White people taught you to think this way, and it's like, right? You know, that was my Scooby-Doo impression. But I'm like, wait, what? Like, what? I I don't know how he went there from what I said, how he interpreted as me saying that about Pharrell being gay. But I was like, okay, so I wrote another response and. That was, I'm not really concerned About his sexuality, I'm referencing The homophobic responses that your comment Brought out, good brother If a black man is gay, straight, trans Transsexual, transgender, etc That speaks nothing to his role Within the community The concept of manhood has become so distorted That we think a purse is significant When you promote segregation based on stereotypes You become an overseer No different than the white man Who you're so critical of And so That was my response. And did he respond? He 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 responded uh, in another post (laughs) and his post was, it is not homophobic to call out the emasculation of black men. They stigmatize you to keep you silent about black male genocide. And again, completely lost. Completely lost as to the, the the correlation between between ideas that he was that he was spouting off about, and it just got me to thinking about about manhood. Now I was at a a, a great um a great men's session uh, a few weeks a few weeks back here in Philadelphia. And, you know, one of the topics that we discussed, we discussed manhood and we started to define manhood. And, you know, I started I started thinking about, you know, well, how do we define manhood in today's society, especially within the in the black community? And so I just started jotting down some ideas. And so so we got appearance, how one's how one looks. Right. So Pharrell with the with the bag, with the purse, whatever you want to call it, with the tight jeans that a lot of our our young men are wearing skinny jeans where they're they're super tight. Uh, Just our our, our wardrobe in in general, if if somebody wears nail polish, if somebody wears uh, whatever they whatever they wear to, to change their appearance, where they're perceived to be looked at. Um, as as not being masculine, but as looking feminine, then, you know, that's considered not being a man. We look at sexuality. We look at sexuality. You know, your manhood is dependent upon you being a heterosexual male. Don't be gay. You can't be gay and, and, and be your man's man. And it's just like, oh, okay. Okay, I guess that makes sense. And along with sexuality, when we talk about our heterosexual males, we talk about our, you know, the conquest, how many women we've slept with. How many women like us. And that's attached to our manhood. And so and again, I've been victim of it, which is, is one of the things that. You know, that that really starts to define our manhood is our our conversations with our friends, with our family, with with other men with regards to how we're viewing our women. Now, granted, I try not to get into conversations where I'm talking about my sexual exploits. But I don't stop anybody else at times when they are doing it. Does that make me a man? because I'm able to sit there and listen to this conversation knowing inside that I'm I'm kind of turned off because I'm like listen you know I got a daughter I don't want her being the the butt of these conversations that somebody took her down where they they ju- just generally disregard her feelings I'm a hypocrite Listen, nobody's perfect. I try not to present myself as being perfect. Are there at times where I objectify women? There are. There are times. And I hope as I continue to grow, and I hope as I continue to mature, that my level of awareness continues to grow. And for me to continue to recognize that my manhood isn't, first off, isn't in jeopardy. It isn't in question. That I'm a man, that I'm a man's man when I am able to, to say, listen, that conversation, I'm not, I'm not feeling that. Can y'all hold it? Of what if somebody was talking about your mom like that, in that way? So another thing, you know, we look at manhood as far as wealth and money. How much money somebody has, if they the man. Especially within our hip-hop culture like said, We look at these people oh, Again, with the women How many women do you have? How much money do you have? Do you have the dope clothes? Then you're not the man Now one of the positive aspects Are the ability to provide for your family Right? You look at somebody in a positive way If they're able to provide for their family Which is Which is in my definition of manhood Definitely is the ability to provide. Whether if you're in a a heterosexual relationship, a homosexual relationship, a a polygamous relationship. Your ability to provide. Because you should be able to provide as 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 a man. Now, it's not saying you have to have the top job. And I understand there's things that that influence someone's ability to provide. But see, this isn't just endemic to men. This is women as well, providing for your family. So before somebody says, oh, man, you tripping. Or or a young lady, "Well, why is that a man? You know, excuse the voice, because I want to be gender. (laughs) We try to be gender neutral here. Right. But so, so I look at an ability to provide one is one, whether one is employed or not. See, you can provide in many other ways than just money. You can provide with your time, you can provide with your emotions, being emotionally available. That's a man, in my opinion. Having a job doesn't necessarily say that you're a man. Or not conversely, not having one doesn't mean you're not. And again, as I was saying, there's so many influences. We're talking about pop culture and how we view our men, how we're so oversexed as a society. And then history. I know, especially if in the the African-American culture, we always talk about the strong man who provided for his family, who went to work 20 hours a day and slept 12 minutes daily. In order to provide for, for his family. And so we need to do better. We need to do better. We need to update our definition of what manhood is. Because we could be better off as a society if that takes place. And so I just jotted down again some things that will help update. That I would like to see in the definition. And so we, got, we have speaking out on injustices. In society With friends Again, I need to step up I need to say, yo, I'm uncomfortable with this conversation Can we change the subject? Listen, I don't, I don't need to hear about The people that you've been with That you've slept with I don't, I don't need that in my psyche Also about injustices You know, having men Uplift our women Uplift our children, support them in all their efforts. And vice versa. This isn't just about, again, I can't give you I can give you, you know, from a, you know what makes a woman a woman from my perspective. But again, these are things that should be happening. We need to, to figure out how we can be because we're human. And we're up. We're uplifting another human being. We're speaking out on injustices against another human being, and we often lose sight of that because we deduce ourselves to to our gender roles and norms within society. That's holding us back. Again, the ability to be vulnerable, the ability to, to, to express yourself. The ability to express yourself, be open, be open to the idea of change. and seeking help and accepting help. That's a man to me. That's a human being to me. Somebody who says, you know what? Uh, I need help in this area. I need to be better in this area. For me, it was seeking mental health treatment. Listen, I need to be a better man. I need to be a better man for my daughter. So you know what? I need to address this depression and anxiety. I need to get on medication for a period of time. I need to take care of my body. I need to discuss the relationships that I'm having. I need to be more mindful about how I'm treating my daughter's mother. That's a man. I need to be mindful of of how I'm interacting with people in today's society. Now, granted, I'm not perfect. We all fall short of the glory. We all fall short of the glory. But I need to be more mindful about my interactions. And again, I, I, I believe I said it earlier because uh, I did some edits and all that <laughs> before I started. Uh, but listen, I apologize. I apologize to anybody that's feel, that, that feels that I've wronged them. Because that's never my intent. I don't consider myself a malicious person But sometimes I want the best for for other people. And at at times that can come off in a, a, a different way because I'm a passionate person. And so I speak, with, which makes me successful as a as a motivational speaker is I, I, that I speak with passion. That I'm passionate about the information that I give. That's why I'm always so exhausted when I'm done speaking or when I'm done the podcast. Because I I give. I give of self. And sometimes that can come across. And that's something that I have to be mindful of. Because I don't want to alienate anybody. I don't want to lose anybody that can be an integral part in, in not only my success. But me being an integral part in theirs. And so recently, yeah, I had to dole out some apologies. As a man. Because I was wrong. I had to admit to my mistakes. And so... With that said, let's talk about ways to get, to end the cycle, to end that cycle. This, this ideas of, of manhood, womanhood. And it starts with the youth. We got to change how we talk to our children. We got to stop telling our little boys, to man up. What does what that, what does that mean? Not express emotion. That's not being a man. So we need to be mindful about, about how we interact. With our youth, we have to be mindful of how we interact with one another. We should be talking to to to, to our peers, our elders, with respect. We can't look at somebody and say, "Because you have a purse, you are you a sucker. You the f word. You homosexual." Oh, because you because you crowd you don't wear the pants in your family. You wear the skirt. Come on, let's get away from these 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 gender these, these gender uh identifiers. Also, and again, avoid using gender roles. So that was gonna be next, right? Avoid these gender roles. Avoid adhering to gender norms. That's why I say props to Pharrell. Say, listen, I'm going to rock the the clutch back. I'm going to accessorize. Do you. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. And then last but not least, acknowledge the bias that you have. I I can't tell you how many people who have commented on my post and whose posts I've also commented on. I'm just like, you know, look at it from this perspective in an attempt to have them to recognize their bias. Now, granted, when it's us, we don't don't look to see what our biases are because that takes a lot of introspection. That takes us us to a place of wanting to grow and learn. And what happens is we become so stagnant, we become comfortable in where we are where we don't want to grow. We don't want to learn anymore. And so, as we enter this this Maslow's uh, self-actualization stage, some of us, and I'm not to, not to throw out you know throw out these 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 terms. It's like, well, who's Maslow? I have a business degree, or you know, a high school degree, a uh, diploma, or I dropped out of eighth grade. Now, what it is is Maslow's self-actualization stage is the last stage, which is finding yourself, finding out who you are, and what your place is, what your purpose is. And so with that, we have to abandon some of the things that we hold near and dear in order to to change. Because, again. Like Dr. Kamara said, God rest his soul. In life, we change to get something or to keep something. And I want peace. I want happiness. I want to keep peace. I want to keep happiness. And so we got to make the necessary changes. Listen, I appreciate you guys for tuning in for another episode of No Booking Info. Again, it means a lot to me. You can catch me on Instagram at Phil, P-H-I-L underscore, quantify, Q-U-A-D-E-F-Y. You can catch me on, on YouTube. I do have a YouTube channel. It's quantify, Q-U-A-D-E-F-Y. I am I offer a lot of myself on my YouTube channel. I don't have a lot of videos, <laughs> which, I, you know, a lot of content, which I plan to change shortly. But I offer a lot of myself. And so you could go on there check those videos out and follow. You could catch me on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Philip, P-H-I-2-L-S-I-P-M-S-W. And then you could catch the show. <laughs> no booking info on Instagram, no underscore booking underscore info. And you can catch no booking info on Twitter by the same name. So again, man, I appreciate you guys. I look forward to hearing the feedback. Um, I'm just, I'm just here to offer some information. That's it. Some, some, some wellness. Hopefully I'll make you laugh, make you smile and bring some positivity into your lives. So I appreciate you guys. Peace.